This is a message that the Lord's been putting on my heart for the last few weeks, and especially really yesterday as I was praying, He's really just put in my heart. But um, I think it's something that we all know um, very much as Christians and haven't grown up in the church, but I think it's something that God really wants to take past one of those things that, yeah, I believe this about God, to where He really wants to do it in our heart. And I'm going to pray. Um, I know Dad just did, but I need to pray before we get started. But Lord, we just thank you, God, that you are who you say you are. You are who your word says you are. God, you're the one that rescued us. You're the one that saved us. You're the one that's called us, God. And what you did on the cross leaves absolutely no room for boasting for myself or for anyone else. It leaves no room for ourselves, for our plans or our will. What you did on the cross, whenever we accepted that, we accepted you for who you say you are. We accepted your plan and your life. And I pray that today... God, take me out of the way, God, and have your way, and I pray that you would move in our hearts, Lord. I know this message is from my heart, God, and I pray that this would be something more than just what we can say, but God, that you would do a work in our hearts today, in Jesus' name. Um, what I want y'all to, what I want to talk about this morning, really what I feel, feel like the Lord wants to say, um, is something that we know, and it's that our God is good, and He's good at all times, and He's good regardless. He's good at all times. The circumstances really have no bearing on our God. They have no bearing on who He is. Um, our, good, our God is not good if He does fill in the blank. He's good regardless. He's good before it's done. He's good if it's never done. He's good, and that's who He is. Um, our God is not good to us um, because He gives and because He delivers God's not good because He answers our prayers. He's not good because He delivers us. He delivers us because He's good. Okay, He doesn't do these miracles, and now because He did them, He's good. He's good, and because He is, He does the miracles. Um, I think it's important for us to see. Circumstances can get absolutely miserable. The entire world can either say that God does not exist or God is not good, but it does not change the fact that He is, and He is who He says He is. Um, one thing in our class this year as I was teaching, um, one thing that came up a lot, and it's in our culture, it's very, just a dominant thought today, is that every whatever you believe is true for you. And for us, we're sitting here like, no, that's foolish. But I've, I watch videos of just interviews on college campuses and just hearing my own students, and just you turn on the TV and you see it. If you believe it, then it's true for you. You believe the sun's hot? Okay, it's hot for you. I believe it's cold. Okay, and we, for us, it's just, it's foolish, but it's important for us to know a very simple truth that regardless of what we believe about God, it does not change who he is. If everyone in our entire culture, including ourselves, this church said that we do not believe in God anymore, it doesn't change the fact that he is. And if we said, I don't believe that he's good, man, I can't believe this happened to our church. I can't believe this happened to us. I don't believe that he's good anymore. It does not change who he is. I think it's very important for us to know. Um, we must understand that God is good always and regardless. And I was just thinking about the, the three Hebrew boys, and they're thrown into the fire, and right before they go in, like we know the story. We can look back and we read, man, God is good. He delivered them. The fourth man walked in like God walked in when they were thrown in the fire. God, you delivered them. You are good. God's not good because he delivered them. God is good regardless. If the end of the story is the three Hebrew boys and they're thrown into the fire for following Christ, and it ends right there, God's still good. If Job, we see the story, he's this blessed man of God, and man, everything turns on him, and we see him in ashes, 
and his wife's mocking him, his best friends are mocking him, and the story stops there, and the end of Job's life is not better than the beginning, and God never shows up and starts talking, God is still good. And I think that's very important for us to know. I know that this is something for us, it's something that if Alberto would ask me, I'm going through a trial, is, are you alright, Will? Yeah, I'm good, God's good, like I know he's good. Like, I say that. And I know we would all say that every single one of us would say, if I asked you, do you believe God's always good? Yes. I feel like God really wants that to be something in our heart that we know that God is good if he answers our prayers or if he doesn't. God is good if he answers them the way that we want or if he doesn't. God's good when we hear his voice and it's loud and clear. God's good when we don't hear his voice at all. And if y'all would just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just as, as we turn in there, I want to say this, and I think it's really important. If we only believe that God is good when we see our prayers answered, we will spend so much time that He's we will spend so much time believing that He is not good. If I only believe God whenever I see Him answer my prayers, then I'm going to spend a whole lot of time believing that He's not good. Because a lot of time I'm either waiting, or a lot of times I've prayed and He answers, but He does it in a whole different way than I want it. I remember talking to dad one time. I was walking up the stairs and I stopped halfway and me and him had just been talking and I was frustrated because I've been praying for a long time, battling, living for Jesus. I don't remember if it was baseball. I don't remember if it was friendships. I don't remember what. But I've been praying and things were not working out and I was frustrated and I said, dad, I've been praying. What's the point of praying? I don't understand why. Like, why won't God answer? And he said, he didn't give me one of those, well, keep praying, God will do it which they do a lot of times, and that's wonderful. But he said, look, what if God doesn't answer? What if he says no? What if the answer is no? What if he says, work your butt off, you're not going to get a promotion, you're still going to get fired, baseball's not going to work out the way you want, life's not going to work out the way you want, will you still keep serving? And that's where it starts hitting a little bit and understanding, okay, this isn't really about us. It's not really about my plan. A lot of times we say, okay, God, I want you to come help me with my plan. That's not it. It's God saying, this is my plan. I've created you to be a part of my plan, not the other way around. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, start in verse 11, read through the end of the chapter and a few verses in the chapter 5. Um, it says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. And um, I'm going to stop a few times as I read it, but... Um, we know that in order to follow Christ every day, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our plans, our desires, our will, our love, our passions. We have to die to that. So I believe Paul's talking about that here. We're always dying for Christ's sake. But at the same time, ramp that up. They're actually dying for Christ's sake. They're actually physically losing lives for Christ's sake. And he says this, and then verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised of the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. And again, just the purpose of everything is for his glory. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, 
which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our, with our house, which is from heaven. And I was just thinking about that, just this call that there's persecution coming. And this has just been a thought, and I know I've mentioned it a few prayer meetings. The thought that there is going to be suffering, there is going to be hardship, there is going to be persecution. And me and Addison were talking about it in the book of Acts the other day. We were reading about it. They're getting beat. They're getting stoned. They're getting persecuted. They're getting thrown in prison. Dad mentioned Peter in prison today. But we don't see them upset with God. I believe, like, for, for me, whenever I get the smallest trial, I back up, God, how would you allow this? Why would you allow this? Are you not? I thought you were going to bless me. All of this. Okay, they, they're at such a different level with God because they're so committed to Him and they've understood that it's not about me and it's about Him. For me, I still serve God for me. Okay, God, I know this is what you call me to do, but I really want you to bless me. But God's saying, if I don't bless you, are you still going to do what I've called you to do? And then in just in, in the beginning of first chapter 5, in verse 2, as it says this, For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so, the, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, and mortality might be swallowed up of life. And I was just thinking, as so I was preparing for this, the fact that they were groaning for heaven. They were longing for heaven, for this home, that one day I'm going to be home. Um, something the Lord just kept putting on my heart is the fact that this is, I think is really important for us to understand. Heaven is not your home one day. Heaven is not your future home. Heaven, if you are a Christian, heaven is your home. A lot of times what we try to do is, I try, I know heaven's my home, I want to lay up treasures there, but I'm locked in here. I'm focused here and I'm living my life and I'll do a lot of it for God, but it's my life. And God says, you cannot be a citizen of there and here. It doesn't work like that. There's no bio-citizenship. There's no dual citizenship, whatever you call it. If you are a Christian, that is your home. If you are a Christian, you said that I've committed to your plan, God. He says that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And this is the main, main point. For we walk by faith, not sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present, from, present with the Lord. Um, I just pray today as we're going through this that God would give us His eyes, that we would understand that that is our home. I believe that's something that God really wants us to see, that heaven truly is our home, not our one-day home, but is our home right now. Um, Hebrews 11.6 it's a verse that we all know if y'all would turn there real quick it says without faith it is impossible to please him I cannot, I cannot please him I cannot serve him unless I trust him I 
cannot please him, I cannot serve him unless I trust him, and I cannot trust him and commit to obeying him if I do not believe that he is always good, regardless of what he does. Okay, without faith it is impossible to please him, but he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, that there is a God, he is the God of the Bible, and he is who he says he is. We can't just believe that, okay, there is a God. There's a lot of people that serve a lot of gods. We must believe that he is who he says he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Um, something, something I was thinking about as I was preparing this week is the fact that in our life, I see just such a little portion of what's going on right now. I just see my, my little world, and sometimes I see a little bit of other people's worlds, and I'm so locked into what's going on right now in my life, and I miss everything else that's going on around. God knows what's going on in India. I don't. God knows what's going on in the next door neighbor's life and how God's working on their heart and what they're going through. God knows things that are going on in your life that I don't know. God also knows all the things in the past that either I've forgotten or never, never knew. Okay? So God knows everything that's going on right now, everything that went on, and he knows everything that's going on in the future. I see just a little speck of right now, and God's saying, do not live by what you see. Trust me, live by what I see. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And I believe God just really, I believe he really wants us to understand he's good at all times. It's not about us. Okay, and he has a plan that he wants to accomplish for his glory. God's not good if he answers. He's good even if he doesn't. Just because I do not understand, it does not impact the truth of the word of God and the goodness of God. Heaven must be home and Christ must be our focus. And growing his kingdom must be our goal. Heaven not, must not just be our one day home, it must be our home today. The men, men and women of faith in the scriptures made it through because their eyes were on Jesus and because they were not content to live as a member of this dying lineage of Adam, but rather looked forward to their glorious home. It wasn't unusual for them to share their, the glorious word of the living God on a day-to-day -day basis to a dying world. And I think for us, it's like, oh, wow, I shared the gospel with somebody today. Like for them, and I, not, not to, I'm not trying to like bash us, but I want us to see, if that's really our home, that's not an unusual thing for me to, oh, wow, I shared the gospel with somebody last week. It should, be, it should be life. It should be normal. I think that's something God wants us to see is that one thing, one thing, our call is not to be like all the other churches in Baton Rouge. Our call is not even to be better, more Christ-like than the other churches in Baton Rouge. That's not our standard. Our standard is not other churches. Our standard is not other Christians. Our standard is Christ. And he has called us to live out the Great Commission. Addison sent me a sermon to Matt Chandler a few weeks ago, and I was listening to it. And he's preaching, and he's talking about how so many people are bored with their Christianity. And if we're honest, we would admit that there's probably been times in your life that you've been bored with your Christianity. And you know a lot of people that are too. And he says, if you wonder why, here's one of the reasons why. Because most people's Christianity looks like this. Um, I need to go to church on Sunday, and I need to not do sin. So it's pretty boring, but I'll, I'll try it. And he says, the whole time we're missing the point of the Great Commission. We're not going into the world, into a darkened world, and sharing the light of Christ and rescuing souls. And then once we got them out, discipling, discipling and pouring into them. He said, look, that's going to be hard, but it's not going to be boring. To go into this world and to rescue souls and have a target on your back and you're going and you are fighting. A lot of us, I know for me, a lot of times I forget they want a battlefield. 
And we think that every once in a while we got a battle. Just when it's hard, you got a battle. We are living on a battlefield. Okay, there's sometimes, you can imagine, you're in the trenches, in the front line. There's sometimes for days on end that you're having bullets fly over your head and cannonball is shot and the sky's lit up. Days on end, weeks on end, it's like you don't get to sleep and it's hard. Got them in a battle and then sometimes it calms down. And both sides just kind of cease fire for a little while. And you, but I guarantee those soldiers don't sit there and start playing on Twitter on their phone and thinking about what's going on back home. Just, lock, just start walking around in the middle of the field. They're still in a battle. I pray that we understand that. Um, it's not our plan that we use God to accomplish. Like I said a little while ago, it's God's plan that he uses us to accomplish um, for his glory. And again, he does not need us, but that's the way he's chosen to do it. One thing that I was talking to my students about, I always talk to them about how important it is to spend time with God each day. And I know that they hear me say it over and over and they get tired. They okay, coach, like I'm trying to read my Bible. So the other day, I, we, did, we were just having a discussion. I asked them, why is it important? Well, because God says to. Okay, that's very true. God says to read his word, so I'm going to read his word. What's another reason? So I can get closer to God. Very true. Those are two that we think about all the time. They're two very important ones. Another one I think we overlook all the time is because I desperately need God's strength each day if I'm going to fight sin. If I do not spend time in the Word of God, if I do not wake up and seek God, and truly, God, I need your strength today, then I cannot fight the temptations that are going to come. And I told him, guys, honestly, whenever we get content not spending time in God's Word, one of the main reasons is because we've gotten content with the sin in our life, and we don't need to fight it. So because I don't need God's strength to fight it, I don't really need to read His Word because I don't need that strength. If we are going to live a godly life, we are going to be, we are going to need this strength, and we must be passionately, aggressively fighting sin and living to rescue souls for the glory of God. That's what he's called us to do. Before we are doctors or lawyers or realtors or teachers or whatever else, we have a call on our life to rescue souls and to disciple souls. I pray that we understand that. I really pray that that gets across to all of us, to myself as well. Um, I was just thinking this. Um, I heard a pastor say this the other day. When you see somebody that's heading out on a road trip, like I love the thought of road trips. Like I love being at home and planning them. We get excited. Let's go to the Smokies in Tennessee. Or let's go to Colorado. And you think about the road trip, and we get all excited. We load up the car. We hop in. And for the first hour, it is fun. Love it. Okay? After an hour, don't want it. Don't want to be in there. I want to get out. Everybody has to go to, go to the bathroom every 15 minutes. I get hungry every 30 minutes. Like the guy next to me, my buddy Connor, snores the whole time. Peter won't let me listen to music because he's trying to study Spanish in the summer. And he's not even taking Spanish. Okay, so we're driving the road trip that was awesome and we were so excited about. Now I'm driving too. Okay, I'm going to, this is not in the notes, but I'm going to say it. Okay, every time I take a road trip with Peter, I'm driving, and then I get tired, and I ask him to drive for a little bit, and he just looks at me, I can't, I'm too tired. And so he'll get in the car, he, this is where we, okay, this is not on the sermon at all. Okay, so we're driving to Tennessee, and we're going, I've been driving about six hours, hadn't slept the night before, I'm wore out. I get out, Peter gets in the car, drives past the exit we were supposed to get off on, keeps going, we missed that. So he drives about 20 minutes past, and he says, I can't drive anymore. So I ended up having to get off, come back, and we lost about an hour, okay, and gained no ground, okay? So all that to say that in a road trip, 
there are going to be things, once you start going, that you're going to be like, why do we even do this? We're sitting here, it's not comfortable, the AC in the car broke, we're going through Texas, we're going to Colorado, and we feel like we've been driving through Texas for 13 years, and we're never going to get out of Texas. The only reason you keep going is because you have a destination in front of you. Okay, if you had no destination, if you're just driving and you start going through Texas for eight hours and you are bored, you're going to say, well, if I'm not going anywhere, I'll just turn back and go, go behind me. Okay, but there has to be a destination. And I, I believe that God wants heaven to be something that drives us every single day, that we are groaning in our heart. Paul says in Philippians, he's talking to him and he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Okay, if I'm going to live, I'm going to live for his kingdom. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die for his glory. But whatever I do, it's going to be for him. And then Paul starts talking to him and he goes, I'm torn in two. Because half of me wants to be with the Lord. Half of me wants to be here. But here's the difference. That's where I am. Half of me wants to be with God. Half of me wants to be here. But the half that wants to be here is because I want to soak up everything the world can give. I want to have a family. I want to have a house. I want to do all these things. Paul said, I want to be with God. The only thing that's keeping me here is I want to disciple y'all. Everything that drove him was Christ. Everything that drove him was God's glory. I think it's so important for us to remember number three things, which I've been saying a lot. Where our home is. Heaven is our home. We are citizens. We are strangers and pilgrims. And a lot of times we honestly don't like that verse. We don't want to be strangers. We don't want to be pilgrims. I want to be a Christian. I want to love God. Occasionally I'll tell somebody about Jesus, but I don't want to be a stranger at my workplace. I don't want to be a pilgrim just acting like I'm passing through to where all my money is truly in God's hands. To where all my time, it's not my Saturday afternoon. To where God don't bother me. This is my day. No, it's his time. It's his money. It's his life that he gave me. This body is not mine. It is his. We are not owners. The day that we gave our life to him, we turned over complete control. We have no right to take it back. We have no right to take it back. We must remember where our home is. We must remember our calling is to rescue souls and to disciple souls. And we must remember that God is good at all times, even when I don't see it, and even when I do not understand it, and even when I don't feel it. There's an old song, every once in a while, whenever I get like, depressed, discouraged, which happens a lot, okay, I'll turn on my Pandora and I'll go to like, my old-timey gospel songs, which whenever my, my friends are here, like, I turn it off because it's kind of... You know, kind of, it's not what everybody listens to all the time, but I love it, okay? And so I turn it on, and there's one song that comes on, and they're always just so full of joy. Just because they ain't about entertaining, they're just about praising Jesus. And one song, it said, He'd have, He would have still been God, even if He never calmed the storm and the raging seas. He still would have been God, even if He never caused the blinded eyes to see. He would have still been God, even if He never brought a crippled man to His feet. It's not about what He did, it's all about who He is. And even if he never would have done a single miracle, Jesus would have still been God. If God would have never done, then we could look back and see so many things. God, you healed my eyes when I had an incurable eye disease. You healed my heart. You brought me through times when I stood for you and I was the only one. You brought us through times when we shared the gospel and it was hard and it, life was tough. And it, there was cancer and there were struggles and you brought us through. Even if he never would have done any of that, it does not impact the fact that he is still fully God and he's still good. But because he's good and because he loves us and because we are his children, he delivers us. 
and He takes care of us. And He's God, and He is good, and He upholds us with His righteous right hand. Um, I just want to read these two verses. You don't have to turn to them. The Psalms. Um, but a lot of times when I'm reading the Psalms, I skip the little part, the little, you know how they have like the little intro sometimes in Psalms that tells kind of like the background? I rarely read that. Um, but just noticing these two verses, Psalm 52, the little intro says, To the chief musician, Maskil, a Psalm of David, when Doeg the Edomite came, to, came and told Saul, and said unto him, David is coming to the house of Ahimelech. Okay, so David's hiding for his life. Okay, everything was great. I'm a shepherd boy, minding my own business. God tells me I'm going to be king. That's awesome. Wasn't expecting it, but it's really awesome. I'm excited. Okay, God blesses me. I just, God used me to kill Goliath. I'm on cloud nine. Everybody's praising David. He still knows it's God. He's not getting prideful. He's worshiping God. He's serving God. He's humble. Everything's great. I'm serving God. He's blessed me. This is how it's supposed to be. Then Saul puts a bullseye on his back, goes to kill him. He's hiding, which already, God, why am I hiding? That doesn't make sense. Why would you allow this? Now some, some little tattletale tells Saul where I am, and this is what David writes. Why do you boast yourself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Why are you proud? Saul, you're coming at me. How are you proud? God is good at all times, regardless of what happens. So regardless if God delivers me or not, guess what? He's good. The three Hebrew boys, God delivered them. But before they got thrown into the fire, they looked at King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, we know God is able to deliver us from the fire. And he's definitely going to deliver us from your hand. But guess what? Even if we get thrown into the fire and God does not deliver us, we're still not going to bow to your idols. Because we're committed to him. Okay, God is good regardless. And then David says this as well. It says, on the day that Saul... Since and they watched the house to kill him. So again, they're coming to kill David. He says this: Consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be, and let them know that God rules in Jacob unto the ends of the earth. Selah, Selah. Stop and think about it. God, let them know that they can have a bigger army. They can come and they can take my life, but you're still in charge. And God, whatever you choose to do, I'm still on board because I'm following your will and not mine. I just want to, I believe God wants us to think today. We have to answer in our hearts. In our hearts, not with our mouth. Again, we could tell anybody in this room, any lost person, God is good. There's been times I went and shared the gospel with people because I felt like God wanted me to. And I walked back to my truck after and I'm like, God, I don't believe a single word I just shared. I believe it in my head. I know it's true. I don't feel it at all. I told them that you loved them. That you could save them. They're crying how much you have a plan for them. And I walk back to my truck. I don't feel like you have a plan for me. I know you do, but I don't feel it. Okay, is he still good? Are we still going to trust that he's good? When God is not good because Lazarus came out of the tomb. Okay, so many times I catch myself and it's a good response. God will do something I've been praying for. And I say, God, you're so good. And that's a great response. He is. But if I wait every time and say it right then, once he's answered, then what does it really say about my relationship with God and my faith in God? God is not good because Lazarus came out of the grave. God is good when Lazarus is sick. God is good whenever Lazarus is in the grave and he's been dead for four days and the stone is still there and everybody is still crying. If the story ends there, God is still good. If God sends you through something and me through something and we don't come out the other side the way we want and it's hard and it's tough and it ends there, we have to understand in our heart that he is good. And the only way we will be committed to serving him is if we understand heaven is our home. 
Our mission is not our plan, but it's His. He's good. And this world's not home. And I'm almost done. I'm wrapping up. But just to think about this. Was the Father still God? Was He still Almighty? Was He still in control of everything? While His Son, the Messiah, was home and strung up to a wooden cross. The sky turning dark, the disciples nowhere to be found, only mockers there to witness. Was He still the Almighty? Was He still God whenever, wow, it looks like all these people have been following Jesus and saw His miracles and now they're standing back and the disciples have run and the others are there just watching. They're listening to mockers. Jesus is there. The sky's dark. There's an earthquake. It's, wow, it looks like Jesus has lost. Is God still good there? I pray that we understand God did not become good three days later when Jesus rose from the grave. God is good. He is in control. He is almighty. What they saw at that moment is, wow, we followed Him. We had hoped that Jesus would be the one. We thought he was going to be the Messiah. He obviously, he wasn't. That's what they saw. God said, you give me three days. Give me three days and watch. The greatest day in history is coming in three days. In three days, God would trample on death and hell. He would crush the head of the serpent like he promised in the beginning of our Bible. He would do it all. He would rescue us. He would conquer hell, death, and every sin that we struggle with every day. He would conquer them in three days. So sometimes God is going to allow us to go through things. And it's going to be hard. And sometimes He'll allow us to go through for a long time. And it is easy for me to say this. This is something I have to learn. God, that when it's hard and I don't understand that you are still good, and I'm committed to your plan, not using you to work out my plan, but God, use me to work out your plan. I pray, I pray, I pray that we understand and that our focus would be Christ. Our home, would, we would realize that our home is heaven and our goal would be bringing glory to this King. And just for us to think that God is good and He's always God. He's always the Almighty. Regardless, And just I'll read one last verse. Um, if you all would turn to, to 2 Timothy 4 eight, this will be how we close. Okay, this is the last. I've been in 2 Timothy a lot. Um, Paul's, Paul's writing his last letter to Timothy. He's just encouraging him to fight this fight the way God's called you to. I'm going to the cross. Verse 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Verse 8, he says, Henceforth, from now on, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. Heaven was his home. That's what drove him. That's what he loved. That's what drove him. And there's another verse up. I'm not finding it right now. But Paul talks about his confidence in God not to deliver me from persecution. I do trust that he will, but even if he doesn't, I trust that he's going to carry my soul. I trust that he's going to keep me when my faith gets weak, when my struggles get high, when everybody else has forsaken me, when Demas that was this man of God with me, when he forsakes me to pursue the world, when I get locked up in a prison and I have no visitors and my faith is weak, and even Paul's in there saying, God, are you really real? But he trusts God. And he trusts God, and we have to hold to the fact that he is good, and he is God, and heaven is our home. And I pray that these things don't just click in our mind to where we, we will say them. I know we'll say it. I believe God wants it to be something deep in our heart that we commit to his plan, and don't just try to get him to commit to ours. So I'm going to just pray tonight, or this morning.
Pray that God would help us to see that He's always God. He's always good regardless. And our focus would be Him. Our home would be heaven. And our goal would be bringing glory to Him and growing His kingdom for His glory. God, we love You. God, this is something, Lord, that I desperately need to learn. Because it's easy. Life's not too hard right now. It's, it's all right. And it's easy for me to preach it right now. I pray that in our hearts, deep in our hearts, we would have the confidence, God, that you are God and you are good. God, that you are king forever, that you will reign forever on your throne and you're reigning right now, as easy or as hard as it might be. God, and that you will always, always, always be in charge. And that you're good and that we would live, God, with you in mind. God, with your kingdom in mind, with heaven as our home. God, and we would live for your glory, God. For our audience of one, for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus. I pray you do this in our hearts just as we seek you. And I thank you, God, for all that you've done. You did not have to do anything you've done for us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the miracles you've done since. And I just pray you would just open our eyes. Give us your eyes, the eyes of eternity, Lord, in Jesus' name.